It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's a mailbag show. You send in some wonderful questions, and I am going to answer them. Questions include those about Pascal Siakam's upcoming extension eligibility. We'll dig into why Yuta Watanabe and Justin Champagny seem to be on the outs of the rotation. Plus, what about the offseason? What will the Raptors do with some of their key free agents? we got all that and a whole bunch more coming up on today's mailbag episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1134 of Lockdown Raptors for Wednesday, March the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on all the audio apps. And you can go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button to support the show in video form as well and as always a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day today's episode is brought to you by prize picks you can check out prizepicks.com use the promo code nba or go to your app store and download the app today prize picks is daily fantasy made easy more on them a little bit later on all right on today's show as promised we got a mailbag episode for you lots of great questions came in from the good people out there so we will rattle them off and uh, get to as many as we possibly can here. Got like six, seven, eight really good ones. Probably won't get to all of them, but we'll do our darndest. Let's begin here with, excuse me, uh, the question that comes in from Ben Chapman, which is what to do, what do the Raptors do with Pascal Siakam's extension of eligibility in the offseason? I think this is a question not for 2022, but for rather 2023 and there's a couple reasons for this. One, I think Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. are kind of the extension priorities. They will have one year left on their deals. Trent, of course, has that player option in the final season, as does Fred, I believe. So they can both become free agents after next season. I would assume they're going to look to extend those guys. When it comes to Fred, it's going to come close to a max. I mean, it's just the way it is. He's an all-star player. There are 50-something max players in the NBA. And he is one of the 50 best players in the league without question. And he's, you know, by the numbers and by the all-star status, he's one of the top 25 players in the NBA this season. I'd probably put him a little bit just on the outside of that top 25 if we're talking, you know, just picking the league one through 50 or whatever. But still, he's a max player in terms of his overall impact and the way that the NBA works and just how the best players on teams get paid. It's just how it works with the max contract there. It's kind of like an artificial max that everybody gets. If there was not a max, you know, guys would make more stratified salaries and LeBron would make $70 million a year and Fred would make 30. 
that's just not the way it works. So yeah, I, I think you're looking at Fred potentially getting a max extension this offseason. And then Gary Trent Jr. with that one year left before his option, uh, you know, I think you're probably looking to try to get more years of him as well, even if it's just at like a similar number. And I mean, the way he's played this season, it, it's really kind of still up for grabs as to what his value is going to be. He's making, what is it, like 18 million bucks this season. I think he's been worth that. But do the Raptors push to try to get him on a similar number on another deal? Does he think he's worth more? Uh, you know, it's tough to say. He's had an up and down season, of course, mostly up with a couple of pretty loud and emphatic downs. We'll see, I, I guess, where they kind of value him. Maybe the fact that they kind of gave him more than his market value in the first couple of years of this contract when they just signed him, what was it, last summer? Maybe that is something that works in their favor going forward, where they can get a pretty reasonable number going forward from there. Either way, I think they're going to want to keep Gary Trent Jr. around unless they look to maybe trade him in the offseason. That's a risky game because the Raptors don't have much shooting, but I do think Fred and, and Gary are the guys that you want to sort of you know prioritize as your extensions go this offseason. When it comes to Pascal, it's a little bit more interesting, right? Like He is going to be by the end of his current contract, of which he has two years on it after this year at 35.5 and 37.9 million. Uh, again, totally worth it. He's a max player. He's excellent. He's been one of the better players in the NBA all season long, so that is put to bed. I think you probably wait until after this season to put the extension in front of him. And I think it's just because you want to gather information, right? You want to see in particular, what does Scotty Barnes look like next season? Does he look like he's going to be able to kind of take over the reins of the team? Does he look like he's ready to compete for championships right now? And if so, then I think Pascal is someone you want along for that ride. They fit nicely together. And the more good players you can have on your roster, when you have Scotty Barnes still on a rookie deal, looking like a potential star, I think you want to sort of build that supporting cast for Barnes as best you can. And there's no better way to start than with Pascal Siakam being on your roster. If, say, there's a bit of a step back, maybe a sophomore slump, maybe just, you know, we realize, oh, you know, development's not linear. Things are going to take some time here with Scotty. Maybe you're looking at three, four, five years down the road as when he's really going to hit his peak and start contending for titles as one of the best players on a championship team. Then maybe that's when you start to re-examine your thoughts on Pascal and his thought with the team and his role with the team. You know, I I've been a huge proponent of keeping Pascal on this team with Scotty Barnes because it allows you to avoid the pitfalls that so many teams have run into with star players when they draft them but can't build a team around them. The Raptors have an ironclad supporting cast for a superstar in tow already. If Scotty Barnes could just kind of slide into that number one role at some point in the next couple of seasons here, I think you want Pascal around for that window for sure because he's still going to be a very good, very productive player you know, for a while now, he's still only 27. He turns 28 this year. He's going to be good, I would guess, until his 30s, right? Like he's expanded his game a little bit. It's a little bit less athleticism dependent. He's working on the mid-range game. He's obviously got a, a lot of counters and his playmaking. You know, I, I'm really excited for like old man YMCA Pascal, considering the passing leaps he's made. You know, that's probably two, three contracts from now for him. But still, I think he's going to age reasonably well. He's obviously a very good defender. And I have no problem with him being on the team into his 30s if that's what you want to do. But I do think it's kind of contingent upon Scotty Barnes's development. If Barnes is not quite there, not quite ready, then maybe you look at potentially trading Siakam when he's got one year left on his deal to get something back. That makes me sad. I don't want to think about that. I'm far more <laughs> inclined to 
uh, believe the other thing is going to happen where Barnes becomes someone that you feel like you can build around pretty quickly here and you're going to want to maintain the roster that's around him and just kind of build from there instead of taking pieces out. So I think Siakam's extension probably ends up being a thing that's considered in the summer of 2023. We have a little bit more information on what Scotty Barnes is and what kind of supporting cast he's going to need. Great question, though, Ben. Uh, next question here. This is a fun one. This comes from Eric Morris, a classic question asker on these mailbag podcasts. He asks, you can take one basketball skill from anyone on the team to help you in your daily non-basketball life. What is it? So look, my daily non-basketball life is a rather boring slog. Uh, <laughs> I send a lot of emails. I, uh, you know, I do podcasts, of course, a lot. And I, you know, try to do some exercise, biking, some skiing, things like that. So I don't really have a lot of like supreme abilities that I need. I, I might say I do eat a lot of PB&J. And while I think I've kind of mastered the art of making a PB&J, you got to put peanut butter on both sides of the bread, by the way. Uh, that, that way bread doesn't get all jammy and disgusting. Put peanut butter. It's insulation. Anyway, that, that we don't need to get into that. But I do wonder if maybe like, you know, in the, the Smuckers commercials or the GIF commercials where uh, Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. are making those sandwiches, if I get that like perfect spread that Gary Trent Jr.'s got going, that's probably the one I would use the most just because uh, I make a lot of PB&J sandwiches because I'm a goblin and I eat like a child sometimes. So, uh, yeah, let me give it that like really, really good uh, spreading form from both Gary Trent Jr. and Scotty Barnes on their sandwiches. That would be, I think, just the most practical thing to add to my life. You know, I, I can make a mean PB&J again. I figured out the formula, but my spreading is a little bit haphazard at times, I suppose. So we'll go with that. Uh, we will continue on here in just one second and get to some other questions relating to Yuta Watanabe and Justin Champagne and why they're not playing the offseason and what the Raptors could potentially do this offseason to improve the team. We will get to those questions in just one second here. But First, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. And if you've been looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA, you need to look no further than the award-winning app for Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, and you're going to love it. You can pick two to five players and an over/under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. And it's just you against the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. So you can pair with one of your two to five selections. Points for Pascal Siakam, rebounds for Scotty Barnes, assists for Thad Young. Whatever it is that you want to do, you can pair them all together. And you can also do mis mixed sport entries as well. So say eventually when baseball comes back into our lives, if you're a baseball head and a basketball head, you can do, uh, hey, you can get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Scotty Barnes on the same ticket. That is pretty awesome. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive offer for no, and it's a no-brainer for all of our users. Get users get fifty bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use your code NBA. That's right. That is an exclusive offer available only for Locked On listeners. Sign up today. Use the code NBA for fifty bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. That's free money, baby. Go and sign up over at PrizePicks.com. They are daily fantasy made easy. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And we got more mailbag questions to plow through as well. So this one here comes from, uh, I had it here. This one comes from, uh, it's at It's Mike Christie, at It's Mike Christie on Twitter. Wow. Uh, the question is, why aren't Champagne and Utah getting more minutes? In the full version of the question that I could not fit in the character limit on the a little app here, uh, <laughs> you know, it details that Utah obviously offers three-point shooting and defense. Champagne offers the rebounding and three-point shooting. And look, I think Utah is the one that I'm a little bit more perplexed by. I, I think Utah is such a smart defender on this Raptors team in particular, really, really fills in those gaps that the Raptors need and that are constantly in rotation, and he's really good at making them. I think... He also offers three-point shooting, which the Raptors have a serious dearth of. He's shooting 38% on about 2.3 attempts a game this season. Not crazy volume, but over the course of about 14 minutes a game, you'll absolutely take that. And I think you can even think about scaling that up a little bit more because he can kind of come off a screen and hit something on the move in a way that most of the Raptors shooters can't. Like There are ways to work him in, I think, to sort of take advantage of that shooting skill, which is his outlier skill right now. I do think... You know, I was talking about this on the Raptors Republic podcast this week with Samson Folk, former guest of this show, future guest of this show, good guy, good pal, all that. We were talking about Utah, and he was pointing out that Utah just doesn't have a lot in terms of play finishing when he's not taking a three, right? There's a lot of possessions that start with a drive and end with a turnover or a brick shot or just sort of like a reset of the offense because he can't gain an edge on somebody. And I think that's a totally fair criticism of Utah's game, and it probably does hurt within the context of the team right now as well as much as he offers spacing when he is not taking those threes and he's trying to do things by himself and look he's got some good passing chops I don't mind him trying to do things off the ball or with the ball in his hands it just ends up in a lot of dead possessions with him right now and it's amplified by the fact that things are so cramped right now with teams packing the paint against this very light shooting Raptors team, that if you're one shooter on the floor, one of two shooters on the floor is not taking those shots and is instead just driving into the morass of bodies in the middle of the floor, that's not going to lead to great results all the time. So I think that's probably it. I think that's a good explanation from Samson if you want to go listen to that podcast after you listen to this one, of course. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to Champagne, you know, I think honestly, they just have realized, all right, development is going to be our thing here. And they have put him down at the G League and he's been quite good. You know, he's averaging 17 and seven with an assist and a half a game. He's not shooting great from two, but he's about 35% from three. And I think, you know, that this is a guy that they're invested in. I think he's going to be around beyond this season. They'll probably convert him to an NBA deal at some point here. And I think he is someone that they have kind of targeted as, oh, like this can be a guy who we actually, you know, build future second units around. Maybe he becomes a spot starter down the line. Who's to say? He's very young. It's still also fresh and raw. But, you know, I, I think they've just prioritized getting him development because on this current iteration of the Raptors, 
He's not the, it's just, there's so many bigs. There's so many guys who play like him. And I know he's technically six foot six or whatever, but he plays like a big and is asked to play like a big when he's on the floor for this Raptors team. He's often playing small ball five. He's obviously great on the offensive glass. Got to be around the rim for that. And he, while he has had a couple of nice games, I don't think you can really say, well, he's a shooter. Yeah. He had the one game where he was like four or five, but overall in the season, he's just at 34.6% with that big game in tow. Uh, all told, I mean, what are his totals on threes this season? As I sort through basketball reference, he's only taken 26 threes this season for the Raptors. So the sample's not big enough and his career in college did not paint the picture of like a great shooter or anything. So I think it's you know nice to imagine him being a salve for the Raptors shooting woes. I just don't really think in practice it actually is something you can bank on right now. And so I think that's why the Raptors have prioritized, hey, there, there's a lot of guys playing his position. Thad Young is another guy they brought in who plays his position. Let's stick him down in the G League for as much as we can, get as much run as he can down there, and then maybe next season he becomes a rotation piece. I think that's totally a fine way to go about it. I don't know if I would trust him to come in and fix what's ailing the Raptors right now, just because I think the three-point shooting is what they need most, and I don't think I totally trust him being a three-point shooter just yet, considering half of his made threes of the nine that he's hit more or less came in one game. Um, But good question, Mike. Let's go on to the next question here. This one comes, uh, it's kind of on the same lines and has Champagne involved. This one comes from Caleb Latre, who asks, off-season predictions for Thad, Utah, Boucher, Champagne, and Jalen Harris. Bringing back Jalen Harris. So with Thad, this is an interesting one because there's another question as well. Uh, this one comes in from, let me just shout this one out because I'll just kind of loop this in, from the Matthew T, uh, who asks if uh, the Raptors will regret the Thad Young trade if he walks in the off-season or if they lose the play-in. With that, you know, I think the fact that Masai Ujiri mentioned his bird rights, like the first time he talked about him, really kind of hints to me that they want to keep him around and they review him maybe as like a free agent acquisition in a summer where they weren't going to have the room to actually make any serious free agent acquisitions anyway. And so I, I think, yeah, Thad there as a guy you bring back, I think is a really nice option. I would like to see him return. I think the tangible like on-court value has yet to be it's not really been revealed just yet I think he's a kind of guy who is going to play better next to very good players as opposed to with very bad players I made the comparison to DeAndre Bembry earlier this week on the podcast with Vivek on Monday you know I, I think that's kind of Thad's lot in life is he's going to look overextended when he's not playing with really good players but with good players he's a connector that you really want and I think still if they can never get to it I think the best lineup the Raptors can throw out right now is one with Scotty Barnes, uh, or not Scotty Barnes, with Thad Young playing center. And, you know, you either swap in one of Barnes or or Gary Trent probably, and that I think is their best lineup at full health. Like a Fred, Trent, OG, Siakam, Young, like Thad Young lineup, pretty exciting. You know, swap in Barnes for OG or for uh, Trent in those lineups, and I think that's pretty interesting as well, although you miss the shooting, of course, that Gary Trent or OG offers. So either way, I, I think that's something that I'm pretty excited about. You could even go some fun lineups for Scotty Barnes as the point guard in that configuration. You go Barnes, Trent, uh, Ananobi, Siakam, and Thad. Again, I think he can be a guy who's a really connective piece around good players, and so I would look to keep him around next season and see if you can sort of further integrate him into a system that seems to really fit what he does well. When it comes to Utah... I do wonder if maybe this is the end of the road for him with the Raptors. It just hasn't quite worked out this season the way we would have hoped. 
I, I, you know, it's hard to say, you know, they might value his skill set and think, hey, we're not going to find a six foot nine guy who can defend and shoot threes at 38 percent somewhere on the markets. Maybe we keep him around and try to reintegrate him back into things. It's not going to cost you a ton to keep him around. I would say I'm probably like 60, 40 Utah's out the door, but I'm not convinced on that one right now uh, with Boucher. This one's a tough one because Boucher has been really damn good this season, really, really effective. And he has clearly, I think, changed himself into becoming a player that you can trust on the floor in minutes and offer winning basketball, right? Like I think last season, it was a lot of, he put up big numbers in losing situations. It wasn't really driving winning this season. He's entering games and they're instantly kind of re-engaging and looking like a better, more cohesive team at the very least more chaotic. <laughs> and I think Boucher has been really, really great in the way that he's sort of, sort of transformed himself this season. You know, some team out there might say, hey, let's go pay him to be our starting five or four or something like that. I don't think that's terribly likely right now unless it's a bad team. And look, the only teams with cap space are bad teams. So maybe that is a move they go in and pursue. I just don't know if like a 28-year-old Chris Boucher is a team that anybody's getting super thrilled about. So I would say it's probably like 70-30 for me that he stays because I don't think he's playing himself into like an insane contract. I do wonder how he fits in as, you know, Precious Achua continues to ascend. And if you bring back that young you know, Ken Birch still on the roster. Like, I still think that glut of bigs, you're, someone's going to be on the outside looking into the rotation at some point down the line. That said, it's not the worst thing in the world to have depth you know, at a position and have lots of options. So I, I think if it's a reasonable cost, which I think it will be, I think Boucher stands a pretty good chance coming back, unless they just view that there's just too many bigs and they maybe want to get the next guy we're going to talk about, going to talk about some more run. And they think maybe he can be more of a winning player down the line. And that is Justin Champagne, of course. Uh, I think Champagne will be back next season for sure. I think he's going to get converted to an NBA deal by the end of this season in all likelihood, barring tax stuff and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, that that's that's exciting. I, I'm really excited to see the Justin Champagne era kind of continue on here because I think he profiles as a guy who can be a useful player in your second units. If the three-point shooting can come along, which again, he's 35% down in the G League. He's 34% or, or thereabouts in the NBA. Even if that's like the floor for him, that makes him a useful player to have on the floor. 35% is no, uh, like that's basically league, league average these days. So that's totally fine. And if you can get that over a bigger sample and sort of have proof of concept of it, I like the idea of Justin Champagne as a sort of staple of the second unit next season. And maybe that makes the, the Boucher or Thad decisions more difficult. It's hard to say. Maybe the Raptors want to use those resources elsewhere. But again, you're not going to be able to use all of those resources because you have these guys' bird rights and you can stay, uh, you can keep those guys without, you know, having to pay. Or, 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 like, they, have, they don't have the space to go get free agents is the point, but they can keep their own guys. So, uh, you know, they'd be using their exceptions and things like that. Maybe you just can't get the volume of players that is Thad and, and Boucher with your one exception that you'll have to work with. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Champagne stands a good chance of being back. And with Jalen Harris, I mean, it would be nice to sort of see him get back in the NBA somewhere because the reasons he got sent away are stupid and archaic and, you know, from the 1980s. But... I don't know if the Raptors are going to, especially since they've really pivoted in this last year into being a team that's all about size and, uh, you know, switchability and length and athleticism and forcing turnovers. I don't know if Jalen Harris really fits that. That said, they could use some scoring off the bench. And if they view him as someone who can come and, you know, kind of be a second unit anchor, maybe they, that's something they can go with. But I just think there are better options out there. I'd rather play Malachi Flynn a whole bunch, honestly, than go and bring back Jalen Harris. But 
Uh, that doesn't mean I don't want Jalen Harris to get a job somewhere. I just don't know if the Raptors are a good fit for him now as they've kind of changed their ethos over the last you know 12 months or so. Uh, good questions. We're going to come back and finish up with a couple more questions, including should the Raptors just uh, try to get out of the play-in entirely and, and tank down to 11? Uh, I, I think you know what I'm going to say to that one, but we'll get to that in one second here. First, though, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who make the best-tasting protein bars in the world. I highly recommend them. I have a sweet tooth. It's a really, really bad sweet tooth, and I often want to indulge. But Built Bars make it so that I can do that and make it feel like I'm cheating without actually cheating because their bars are actually good for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in your average bar. Compare that to the standard candy bar that you pick up as you're lazily walking out of the grocery store and just want a snack because you're a goblin like me. I've talked about my goblin ways now a lot. It's just the way it is. Uh, if you go and uh, check out the, like, the nutrition info on those bars, 240 calories at minimum, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. You just don't be wanting that stuff in your body, man. So go and instead get yourself a Built Bar. They got flavors for everybody. They got fruity flavors. They got you know very sweet and brownie type flavors. They've got everything in between. And they have nut and nut-free flavors for those who either like the taste of nuts in their bars or if they don't like nuts at all or allergic to nuts, you have all those options. And they're keto-friendly too. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go check them out. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we continue on here, rounding out the mailbag episode of the podcast with a couple more questions here. This one comes in from Corey Perrin, who asks, The play-in's a crapshoot, and if you win, you get the one or two seed in the first round as your opponent. If the Raptors slide to nine or ten, should they just try to avoid the play-in altogether? I think those who have listened to this podcast for a long time know my stance on tanking. I think tanking sucks. As a viewer of the team, there's nothing I want to see less than the team that's trying to lose basketball games. Last season was its own special exception. It was a lost season for circumstances outside their control, and they leaned into it, and they ended up getting incredibly lucky. I fear that the idea of winning the draft lottery has maybe been broken in people's brains because it happened last year they were the seventh best odds they moved to four and i i just hope that that doesn't leave raptors fans thinking oh well anytime you're in the lottery that's just you know instantly okay cool that we win the lottery it's just how it works we are we're the we're, we're the god's gift to basketball therefore we get to move up that's just not how it works and that's how you set yourself up to become the magic or the pistons or the you know very sad team like the thunder there's lots of sad teams the kings for example 
Hoping for lottery luck is a one-way path to becoming a sad, sad basketball fan who begins to look at other sports as your main vice because your team is disappointing and it makes you sad every year. The Raptors are just too good to tank. It's just, it's impossible right now, mathematically speaking, for them to really earnestly try to slide out of where they are. And I also just think it's bad practice as a team and for team building. We have to get over the idea that making the playoffs and not winning a title is some sort of bad thing. Making the playoffs is a good thing. It is something that gives you more information on what your team is. Tangible, important information and the most important of all of the circumstances you can find your team in. You get to evaluate your team playing playoff basketball. We all know how different it is. We all know the way the game changes and the skills that become more valued and the things that become potential areas of weakness or targeting from other teams. You can't get that information if you're not playing in playoff games. So if you're in a position to play them, you should be freaking playing them. <laughs> like it's just, it, it, to me, it just doesn't make any sense for this team to try and lose games. They might just lose games because they're unhealthy right now. Although maybe Fred Van Vliet comes back tonight and studies the ship a little bit. They've been pretty close in these games, even though they've been horribly injured, which honestly kind of gives me a little bit of optimism for once they do get a guy or two back here that they can kind of go back on a run and get things rolling. It's just, there's just, it, I'm mad that, like, part of me is mad they won the lottery last season because I think this is just going to be the thinking for everybody every year. And, and as much as first round picks are nice and they lose their first round pick if they aren't in the top 15 drafting this season to the Spurs, ultimately they're still going to have the 31st or 32nd pick in the NBA draft because of the Pistons and how bad they are. And they have that pick already in their coffers. And that's something that's tangible. Teams, really, really want to be in that early range of the second round because you have none of the financial commitment and a lot of the similar talent that is still kind of floating around. Guys with first-round grades who have just slipped out of the first round, like, that's a good spot to be drafting. You know, later in the draft where they typically do, you know, pick the 50s or whatever, that's a different story. High 30s, though, that's a meaningful pick, and that's where the Raptors are going to be this season. That's totally fine as they continue to build this back core, or like the back-end core of the team or whatever, the shadow core, if you will. Like, I think the second-round pick will help them this year. And then they're all, all free and burden and burden and like burdenless when it comes to future picks owed. So, no, I, I don't think they should be tanking down. And they also just, it's hard to do, man. Like, they have five more wins right now than the Washington Wizards, who totally stink. They are three games up on the Hawks and the Hornets, who just keep on losing games and are not very good. And the Nets are, like, right there, but, like, they're going to, that's seventh or eighth. The Raptors will be seventh or eighth, probably in, in most likelihood here. There's three games in the loss column up on Brooklyn. I still think they're probably going to finish seventh. There's still an outside shot at them finishing sixth, although Cleveland winning last night and snatching victory from the jaws of defeat after snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in that game against the Pacers is quite annoying. Either way, it, it just, to me, there's no argument to be made that the Raptors should not be trying to get into playoff games here because playoff games are meaningful. Not to mention, what if they get the Bulls in the first round in a 2-7? That's totally on the table as well right now. Yes, the Bulls are struggling, but they already have 39 wins banked, and they are, uh, what, is it two games out of second in the loss column? That's possible. You get the Bulls in the first round, you're cooking with something pretty interesting. And even if not, you get to test yourself against the Bucks or the Sixers or the Heat, and that is meaningful. Those are five super important games and what is a fact-finding season for the Raptors. 
you have to get that information if you can. Otherwise, you're going into your summer completely blind as to what the actual important issues or strengths of the team might be. The regular season is great. The Raptors have played a lot of really close games, and I think that's been a nice value to them because we get to see them in crunch time and see how these things work when the stakes are higher, but it's not the playoffs. And I think you need to get that playoff time to actually know what your team is all about. And it's also just fun to watch playoff games. I'm sorry. Yes, they might lose them, but like getting excited for the playoffs is awesome. I love watching playoff games. I missed it so badly last season. I don't care if it's just one round. Watching the playoffs is cool and good and fun. And we should normalize just being happy making the playoffs when you're not in a championship window. And the Raptors are not. They're working their way towards that. A playoff win this season or a playoff appearance this season would certainly help in the steps that you take towards becoming a championship contender sliding out and just like trying to bottom out and lose the rest of your games is just such a loser loser mentality i hate it it sucks don't do it it's terrible to watch and there's no need for them to do it when they're good and ahead of schedule and i'm just not losing sleep over the 14th pick in the nba draft i don't care about the 14th pick in the nba draft 32nd is totally fine to me and that is uh how i feel on that uh last question here that we'll get to uh do we have any more actually yes this one comes from uh at parquet music this is a tough one who do you want to sign slash trade for in the offseason i'm not going to go specific names here a signing is going to be difficult they're only going to have their mid-level exception so it's okay find a shooter akin to like cj miles a few years back and that would be great if you could get somebody in who can throw into the second unit be a nice shooter that's great a better shooter than speed behind luke was this season that's a, a great totally fine way to go I don't really have specific thoughts on specific names. I, I do think it is interesting, though, to think about the trade side of things and whether or not this is the summer where the Raptors look to cash in on some of their sort of big contracts that they have on hand that are very move movable, eminently movable in some cases. You know, maybe this is where they, again, this kind of goes into Scotty Barnes, right? And, and how close he is to developing along. Like, do you try to go and find some sort of distressed star out there and offer up? an OG Ananobi or a Gary Trent Jr. or both or something like that in some kind of package. You know, that that I think is going to be a question they come across this summer. It might not be that anybody comes available, but the playoffs always kind of stir stuff up, right? They kind of drum up the bottom of the ocean and have all this stuff floating around because teams lose and teams get angry and angsty and they fire people and they trade away people. You know, think about the Utah Jazz, for example. Like, what the hell is going to happen there if they flame out in round one or two again? Maybe Donovan Mitchell's on his way out. He becomes available. And that's something that you can examine if you're the Raptors. Again, I'm not. I'm just saying names. <laughs> Lots of teams have a lot riding on this year. And there could be some other guys who become surprisingly available. It happens all the time in the NBA. And the Raptors, I think, are in a really interesting spot right now where they can strike. Yes, they owe their first-round pick to the Spurs this season. But after that, they'll have all their picks available. And they will have OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. Yes, Pascal Siakam as well, if that's something that another team really covets. Even Fred Van Vliet. Like, all these are really movable, large contracts that you can send out, pair with picks. They've got Precious Achua, who's a really intriguing young prospect. Malachi Flynn has started to show some promise as well. Hopefully he can get back on the floor this season with that hamstring and get a little bit more proof of concept. Like, they will have some maneuverability here and an opportunity to really make a big swing trade if they want to. They also don't have to, and that's fine. They can come back and roll back the same team next season and see what kind of internal growth can happen, and they probably go from being a 44-win team to closer to a 50-win team or something like that, and then maybe the next summer is where you reevaluate. That's the beauty of where the Raptors are right now is there's no real like stress. There's no ticking time clock or anything like that. They can kind of just 
react to what's happened and react to what's happening outside of their control, what other teams are doing, what other players are, you know, jockeying for moves, and they can adjust accordingly with that. So, yeah, I, I don't have a specific name, but I just think it's interesting to think about what they can do this offseason because there's lots on the table, and I think it will actually really depend on whether they can get into the postseason, make some noise perhaps, you know, give a team a scare. Maybe they feel like they're a little bit ahead of where they thought they were, and they can go and make a move a little prematurely, or maybe not prematurely. You would think it's premature, but maybe they're ready. All that stuff is on the table this offseason. It's going to be a really, really interesting summer where either everything will happen or like nothing will happen and it will be the same team coming back next year. So uh, we will leave that off there and we will round out today's episode. Thank you so much as always for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts on the audio feeds as well as on YouTube. So thank you in advance for doing that. And you can also uh, go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA. They are covering the games every single night. They will have Spurs Raptors covered tonight on their episode that drops on Thursday morning. New set of characters each five days of the week, and they are doing a wonderful job. So go check out Locked on NBA and all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. And with that, we will leave you for the day. Enjoy the game against the Spurs tonight. We will talk about it on tomorrow's episode of the show. Until then, bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.